Well, good morning. Turn with, turn with me, if you will, to 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, we'll start in verse 10. As you're turning there, let me remind you, if you are new here, um, you see on the side behind me here, there is an app called the Bible app. And if you download it, it's like to have things that are digital. If you want to download the Bible app, once you download it, you'll see in the bottom right-hand corner, it'll say more. You click on more, then you go to events, and you'll see Lexington Baptist Church. You click on that, and it'll have the PowerPoint slide. It'll have the notes that are up there. That's helpful for you. You can take your notes in the app. You can email it to yourself, or it saves it automatically. So if that's a benefit to you, just a reminder that we have it. So just trying to share it with those of you that are newer here. 2 Timothy 3, verse 10 through 17, over the past few weeks we've been studying the last recorded words that we have of the Apostle Paul. They're written to his son in the faith, Timothy. Now if you try to put yourself in Paul's shoes, he's in jail, he's about to die, and he wants to push Timothy to keep it going. So what would you say, putting yourself in his shoes, what would you say to Timothy? What is essential for Timothy to understand? What is key? What is something he cannot overlook? This is the last recorded letter. Mom, Dad, Grandpa, Grandma, if you were penning your last words, what would you tell your own? What is essential for their life? What must they embrace in order to live a godly life? We'll see first, we see what Paul will first remind Timothy about all that they've been through, all that his eyes have seen, what he has learned in his head, in his mind, what he has believed in his heart. Ultimately, he will focus on what will nourish his body and soul. And we'll see everything is going to circulate around those ancient words that we just sang about, the Word of God. So today we'll see that being grounded in the Word of God enables us to be what God would have us be. Being grounded in the Word of God enables us to be what God would have us be. Look at the text here in verse number 10. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and sufferings. That happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all. Not some, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you've been, able to, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. First, we'll see Paul will tell Timothy, continue in what you have seen, your eyes. Continue what you have seen in verses 10 through 13. You, however, followed my teaching, my conduct, aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. At the end of chapter 2, we saw that Paul was contrasting dishonorable and honorable vessels and telling Timothy, if you're going to be a vessel fit for the master's use, you need to be an honorable vessel. Not a dishonorable one. What's a dishonorable one look like? Look at the beginning of chapter 3. 
verses 1 through 9, and we see people named Janus and Jambres and other men trying to lead others astray from the faith. Timothy, you are not those things. You are not those things. But recall to memory what you are and what you have seen with your own eyes. And Paul reminds Timothy of all that they'd been through, his conduct, his aim, his, his life, his faith, his patience, his love, his steadfastness, his persecution, his suffering. Now, if you were to read the book of Acts, or if you've read the book of Acts, you would know that in Acts 16, verse number 1, that's where we see Timothy get picked up by the Apostle Paul. Timothy was from the city of Lystra, or Lystra, depending on how, however you want to pronounce it. It's a tiny, tiny, tiny town in the middle of Turkey, 300 miles east of Ephesus. 300 miles east of Ephesus, and probably about 100 miles around there, north of the most southern border on the Mediterranean. 300 miles east. But it's also 30 miles, only 30 miles away, Lystra is, from Iconium. So in Acts 16, 1, you see Paul, sorry, you see Timothy was well spoken of in both cities, Lystra and Iconium. Both of those cities we read about today, Patrick did in Acts chapter 14. So Paul grabbed Timothy, took him on his trip, and as our scripture again in Acts 14 showed, Iconium and Lystra were a place Paul fled from Iconium to Lystra, about 30 miles away, to Timothy's hometown. And so we see when Paul says in verse 11, my persecutions and my sufferings, in Acts 14, the places where he went through suffering, the place where he was stoned in Lystra, that was Timothy's hometown. Timothy could have seen all this. And when, in Acts 14, we see they stoned him, dug a hole, put him in the hole, then they kept throwing rocks at him until they presumed him dead. Paul didn't die. The Lord, as we see in this text, rescued him from them all. And he gets up, and what does he do the very next day? He continues preaching. Two chapters later, when Paul's there again, we see him pick up Timothy and now on the way. We don't know what all happened in this process. It's possible that in Acts 14 that Paul's persecution led to Timothy's conversion. One writer said of this, perhaps Paul's courage under persecution had even played a part in Timothy's conversion, much as Stephen's bravery in martyrdom had done in Paul's. So we don't know, we're not for sure. But Timothy has seen what has happened to those that faithfully and boldly preach the word of God, hasn't he? Persecution, suffering, difficulty will absolutely follow. Indeed, we read in verse 12, all, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving, being deceived. Do you desire to live a godly life? And if life is just a realm of ease, constantly, there are hard questions for us when we read that verse, isn't it? If nobody's opposing us, then what are we opposing? What are we for? Who are we for? What are we living for? But if we're here trying to be salt and light in a dark and dying world, you ever shine light in the eyes of somebody in the darkness? What's their first response? We are to be salt. 
preserved from decay. We have to be light. And there are people that will be met with that light and will instantly oppose it. Like a teenager whose parents walk in and turn on the lights, it's time to get up. No! Right? Turn them off. Christian, if you desire to live a godly life, you will face this. Sometimes you think, well, I, you know, I don't even know what I'm doing. Could it be simply because you know Jesus? What did Jesus say in John 15, 18 through 20? If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world will love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Want to be like Jesus? Truly? Then you may have to endure, and you will have to endure difficult times ahead. But Paul says in also in Romans that these light afflictions, these light afflictions are just a moment. And we have all eternity to bask in the glory of God. If you desire to live a godly, people may dislike and hate you simply because you're trying to live a godly life. It's true. But Paul also wants to remind Timothy of more truth than just that, that there's just persecution. You, Timothy, you've seen the persecution. It's not fun. You've seen more than that. You've seen me boldly proclaiming the word of God. That's also great. You've seen the taunts, the jeers, the outbursts. You've seen the stones. You've seen the flogging. But the Lord, Timothy, verse 11 says, has rescued me from them all. Don't just remember what I have done. Remember what God has done for me. Remember who I'm doing this all for. The Lord has rescued me from them all. Timothy, you've seen God's intervention. Paul, for all intents and purposes, the man should be dead. He should be dead. But the Lord has rescued him. Timothy, with your own eyes, you've seen this. Do not forget how to live a faithful, godly life. But more importantly, do not forget the God that will get you through this faithful, godly life. Do not forget what you've seen. Christian, you've watched people. You've watched people grounded in the Word, haven't you? What have you learned from them? Can you think of the people that you looked up to when you were a kid, you were a teenager, young adult, new parents? And you wanted to model your life after them, not because they were a success in business, but because they loved Jesus and they were just genuinely, authentically like him. What have you learned? Who are you modeling your life after right now? Teens, are there children that look up to you? There are little ones here in our church. Maybe siblings or family members, they look up to you. They think you're really cool. Could they model their life after you, knowing that you live a godly life? College students, singles, are there teens and kids and beyond that look up to you? You just come around, and they're like, hey, it's you, it's you. You're bigger than me, so you're cool. And they look up to you. Are you modeling a life that you could be like Paul and then be Timothy 
Do you say, follow me as I follow Jesus? Watch what he does through me. He's amazing. I give my life to him. It's worth it all. Mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, is that you setting the example? You desire to live a godly life? They see the risks you take. They see your bold approach. Being grounded in the Word. This is where it all starts. Being grounded in the Word enables us to be what God would have us be. Are you grounded? Continue in what you have seen. Also, secondly, continue in what you have learned, your mind. But as for you, continue what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, how from a child you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. These two verses talk about what he's learned in his mind, also what he's believed in his heart. We're going to focus just right now on the mind aspect. So what does Timothy learn, and who are his teachers? So we certainly know who one of his teachers are, right? The Apostle Paul. Can you think of anybody else that may have taught Timothy? Hint, they've been already named in this book. Can you think of people that have helped Timothy along the way? They trained him, set him up. You're thinking, well, maybe possibly another apostle. Nope. His mama and his grandma. Back in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, Lois and Eunice. Man, the benefits of a godly home, of a parent willing to pour scripture into their child. Mom and dad, do you want your kids to do what? What do you want them to be by the time they're 18? What would you, if you could choose their path? I want scholarship, man, it'd be great. Need a high score on the SAT, and it'd be independent, able to do. As a youth pastor for all those years, I heard a lot of things that parents wanted for their kids. Rarely, rarely did I hear somebody say, I want them to know this and to know him. That is the test I want them to pass. But my kid got a 1500. But they got a scholarship. But you see how they did in sports? I love sports. My wife is a teacher, she loves education. I endured it. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. What is your desire for your children? By age 18, what do they have to know and be and do? You have a, such a small amount of time. Teach them how to throw a ball. Great. Teach them how to read left to right, top to bottom. Fantastic. But may your primary goal be through your example and through your action and your words. Know him, love him. Know him, love him. When you rise up, Deuteronomy 6 says, and when we go down to bed, when we write it on the doorpost, when we write it on the front of our heart, wherever we put it, we're going to put scripture because I want our children to know him and to love him. 
The place where your child learns about Jesus should not be here. The church is not meant to raise your children. It's to assist you in doing your job. Dad, lead. Mom, step up. Grandma and Grandpa, forget the sweets. Pour into your grandchildren the Word of God as you're feeding them cookies if you want. The importance of a godly home, the impact it has on these little minds. Can you dictate your child's end? Absolutely not. Can you force them to Jesus? Absolutely not. Can you move as many obstacles as possible? Absolutely. Sometimes we are the obstacles. Because we relieve our childhood. And we want them to have the same opportunities that we missed on and we forget what is primary. Know him. Love him. Know him. Love him. This is our peace. How from a childhood, Timothy, from childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Since he's a wee pup, Timothy has known the sacred writings. Real quick, take a little aside because you, we need to spend a little moment here. What is meant by the sacred writings? You'd say, well, Scripture. He's going to say later, all Scripture. Absolutely. When Paul picks up Timothy in Acts 16, possibly the only book written from the New Testament at that point yet was the book of James. So, pull back now. Then what were the sacred writings Timothy was taught since he was a child? It's the Old Testament. What does the Old Testament do, Paul? It's able to make you wise for salvation. I don't really read the Old Testament. It's not, you know, it's kind of, I like the Gospels. Amen. What are you missing out on? What a treasure trove the Old Testament is. It's able to make you wise unto salvation. Now we will see, so relax, because we'll get to, in verse 16, all scripture. So not just the Torah, not just the historical books, not just the major prophets or minor prophets, not just poetry. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. So we'll get to the New Testament. But do not forget what was so imperative, so helpful in Timothy's life that his parents taught him, his mom, his grandma, taught him the Old Testament. How God created the world. Man destroyed it with sin and Satan came in and tempted and God promised a redeemer let me show you how God wove this tapestry and got us to who Jesus is it's sweet it's awesome you have to know it it is able to make you wise for salvation Timothy do not forget what you have seen continue in it continue in what you have learned in your mind because being grounded in the word, those sacred writings, being grounded in the word, it enables us to be what God would have us be. Are you, are you grounded? Third, continue what you have believed in your heart. 
But as for you, look at verse 14 again. Continue what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. And how from childhood you've been acquainted with sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through Christ Jesus. He has firmly believed it. This is set in stone. It's concrete for him. There's no wavering. Timothy has seen people live out the word of God. Paul, Lois, Eunice, he's learned the truth of God from these people. And he's also firmly believed in these teachings. The word of God, these sacred writings are able to make you wise for salvation through Christ Jesus. Look at those phrases, to make you wise. The word of God is able to help you understand God's plan. The word of God is able to help you understand God's plan. So again, going all the way back to the beginning. Created order. Everything God did, everything is beautiful, everything was good, sin has destroyed it, but God has a plan. Genesis 3.15, one will come, the seed of the woman will come and will crush the serpent's head. And we're going to watch how this plan develops, how our deliverer is going to come. He's going to free us from sin and Satan and death and hell and much more. It's able to make you wise. It's going to help you understand God's plan. It's for salvation. The plan of God disclosed again in Genesis 3, a promised deliverer to come and crush the serpent's head. He can save Adam. God can save Eve. God can save you. God can save me. Through faith, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, 4, by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone would boast. You cannot walk into heaven Say, Jesus, I'm here. Aren't you glad I'm here? Look at all I did to get here. You will not say that at heaven's door. If you say that, you won't be at heaven's door. What do you do to get to heaven? Believe. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Just believe. He does all the work. You just accept it. Like a Christmas gift. We talked about this before. When you hand out a Christmas gift to somebody, they don't have to take it. But the gift of God is salvation through Jesus Christ. It's a free gift. The wages, the payment of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. He's giving it to you. You have to just accept it. You didn't buy it. You didn't box it. You didn't wrap it. You didn't put a bow on it. You did nothing but just accept it and enjoy it. It's through faith. Because without faith, Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Well, what is faith? Hebrews 11.1 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That means that though we cannot see God literally, we firmly believe by faith that He is and He can save. He is the great I Am. I am. He just is. And he just is the I am because he's always been and he always will be the I am. He is. And he can save. You can believe that through faith. To make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else. Friend, it is not enough to know about God. It's not enough to know about God. One of my kiddos did a study for school on the country of Turkey, and he can know about the country, Turkey. He's doing a study. Where 
Lystra is, where Iconium is, where Ephesus is. But they've not been there. My wife and I have been there twice on different trips. It's the difference between being there and knowing about it. And some of you know that. You try to explain to somebody, a, a friend, acquaintance of yours, you, you know them, and they know about your friend, but they don't know them. It's not just enough to know about God. You have to believe in him, know him intimately, personally. It is through faith in Jesus. You have to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He died he was buried, he rose, he still lives today. In other words, you have to believe Jesus' words about himself. John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's it. It's exclusive, but it's honest. It's exclusive, but it's honest. You come this way, you don't come at all, so please come this way. Please, not trying to send confusing signals. The way is narrow. It may be hard, but come, come. You have to see Timothy. Remember what you've seen. You have to learn in your mind. Remember all that you've learned from the Word of God. Believe, believe the words of God. Because being grounded in the word of God enables us to be what God would have us be. And again, the question is, are you, am I, are we grounded in the word? Lastly, Timothy, continue in what nourishes your soul, your body. All scripture, verse 15, is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The word of God nourishes our spiritual body, our soul, like water and sunshine do a plant. It's not just the Torah and the major prophets. It's all scripture, new and old. They have proceeded from the mouth of God. But notice in the text the source of the word, the benefits of the word, and the results of the word. First, the source. Where do we get scripture from? Isn't, isn't this the Bible? Isn't this just a random collection of old dudes that wrote a long time ago, and it's just like, hey, you know, times are changing. You know, hop into the now, pal. Isn't that just what this is? What's the answer? No. These are the very words of God. They're God-breathed. That's what that word means. So I typically don't like to try to, because I know many of you don't care to have a Greek and Hebrew class, but the, the four words that you see here, breathed out by God, are actually one Greek word, which is a compound word. Theo, or theos, God, and nusos, or pneuma, breath, wind. God, God breathed. God breathed. So it's helpful for you because theos, God, and pneuma, pneuma is also the word spirit, breath, wind. You see in John chapter 3, we get this a little bit, when you, Jesus talks to Nicodemus about the spirit and the wind, because when you see the wind and you see the spirit, those are the same exact words. You tell the difference between context, one's a person, one's a thing. But it's helpful for you to understand this because what comes out of the mouth of God, his breath in his words, what comes out of his mouth is literally why we are here. Think through the importance of what has come out of the mouth of God. What is attributed to his breath, and his words. Think through this. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God said, let there be light. <laughs> light. Just creation itself hinges upon the very words and breath of God. Genesis 1, Genesis 2. Dust, clay, God breathes into man the breath of life, and man becomes a living soul. Chapter 3, everything falls apart, and God uses his breath, his words to speak the very promise that will give us life, that the seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head. And as we read through scripture, we find out that the word of God, the seed of the woman, the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. Now we have the word. He's with us. And what do we do to the word of God? We kill him. And with his last words, his last breath, it is finished. The last breath of God. Yet even that gives life. Because he didn't just stay dead. He then breathed again. Now we have not only victory over sin, death, and hell, but we have victory over life itself through the breath of God and his word and his words. Jesus promised that the breath of God, the spirit, the pneuma, would come. In John 3, again, that breath in wind, Jesus breathed his last. And after he breathed his last, and then he breathed again, he came to his disciples in John 20, 22. He breathed over them. And what did he breathe over them? The spirit. He said, receive the Holy Spirit, John 20, 22. We owe everything to what has come out of the mouth of God. His words gave us not only physical life, but they give us spiritual life as well. Where the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, and the scripture, the word of God, make us alive together. Those are the two things that take person from death to life, that make an old creature new, is the word of God and the spirit of God, the breath, the wind. The word of God and the breath of God, the spirit. Those are two things that give us life spiritually. This is the source of our faith. This is the source of our faith. The spirit of God, the word of God. If it has come from the mouth of God, it is life. And we receive it, and we should receive it. We should rejoice over it, because if we reject it, it becomes death. Those that reject CPR, those that put the DNR, do not resuscitate, I want nothing to do with that, have chosen their own fate. The seed, friends, is dead. Come to him. Understand how important our Savior is and his words are. This is the source of our scripture. The very breath, the very words of God. May we treat it as such. When we have an opportunity every day to read it. We also have an opportunity to, to watch Netflix and and Hulu, and, and sports games, and, and hobbies, and, and knitting, and hunting, and 
working me? Which of those came from the mouth of God? Which of those were given to you as a special gift from the creator of the world? Can you enjoy those things? Absolutely. Absolutely. But keep the major thing. The major thing. And the major thing is the word of God. That's our focus. Keep the main thing the main thing. There are also benefits to the word of God. Not just their source, but they give us life. It teaches us. It convicts us. It corrects us. It educates us in righteousness. And we could spend time and time working through these. But it does more than that. Can you think of other areas that the way that the word of God benefits us? We sang about it tonight. Thy word. Right? It's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. But think through these psalms. Just think through in the psalms. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. The blessed man, the happy man. It's the one who delights in the law of the Lord. The one who delights in the law of the Lord ends up being like this tree planted by the river of water. He, it's fruitful and it's strong. Simply by delighting in the word of God. Psalm 119, read Psalm 119 sometime. All 176 verses, because each one of those has something to say. Each verse has something to say about the word of God. Psalm 119.11, we memorize scripture, Why? Why do we have to store God's word in our heart? That we might not sin against God. Psalm 105, his, Psalm 118, 105, his word is a lamp to our feet, to light into our path. Do you want a strong, do you want a strong, fruitful faith? Delight in his word. Do you want help in fighting sin? Memorize his word. Do you want direction for your life? Read his word. And on we could go. The importance of the word of God cannot be stressed. I, I don't know what words we could use. How many more exclamation points? How many times we could put it in all caps? It's essential to your life, Christian. Do not deprive yourself of oxygen spiritually. Read it and inhale it. Take it in and in and in and in. There are more benefits than these. But memorize it, delight in it, apply it. As in the results, we see in verse 17, the results of the word of God. Show us this as well. As we are taught, challenged, corrected, and educated by the word, we become more and more like Jesus, complete, equipped for every good work. Meaning, if you will but delight in his word, if you will but read it and memorize it, if you will but apply it to your heart, God is able to make you what you ought to be. He'll fit you for every task, and you will be an honorable vessel fit for the master's use. Thus again, we see being grounded in the word enables us to be what God would have us be. Are you grounded in the word of God? So what does all this mean for us today? What can we apply to our lives? First, friends, we do each week have to ask you simply, do you, do you know your Savior? Have you, by faith, have you accepted Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God? You can come to Him today. We read that in our text today. That the Scriptures are able to make you wise to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Will you place your faith, your trust, in Jesus Christ, the Son of God?
you come to him? If you have questions on how you can do that, see myself, see Christian friend you came with, one of our deacons would love to take you through how you can do that. The Bible says, whoever calls the name of the Lord will be saved. I hope that you would do that today. For all those here that claim to be Christian, let me ask you a couple questions. First, Christian, do you desire, do you desire to live a godly life? Do you firmly believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? Then live for Him, no matter the cost, no matter what comes. Has He saved you? Has He made you His own? Then reflect Him, be like Him. Desire to live that godly life. Would others, would those that look up to you, would they be able to say, you know what, that person does desire to live a godly life. I see it in the way they live and the way they act. What might God be able to do for you if you pursued a godly lifestyle? What might God do for you if you just said, God, I just want to be like you. Help me today. I mess up, I make it right, but God, help me to get back on track again. Next, are you enduring? Are you suffering persecution as well? One of my fellow pastors aptly said, today's trauma makes tomorrow's testimony. Today's trauma makes tomorrow's testimony. Christian, be faithful today regardless of what comes, knowing that today's trauma makes tomorrow's testimony. It could be like you simply enduring the difficulty that you're in, enduring it well as Jesus would have you, could be the very thing that leads someone to Jesus or strengthens another person's faith. Read 1 Corinthians. Read 2 Corinthians, how Paul talked about his persecution, how he dealt with it, and how the Lord used him to be able to tell others, I, I can help them now through what I went through because of all I've gone through. Next, who are you learning from? Which person are you currently trying to model your life after? Which godly Christian? Timothy had at least three. How about you? Again, should others model their life after you? How you're living right now? Would you pray that God might so change your life that you would be a faithful example? God, just change me and make me enough that people could at least see you through me and I would not be a stumbling block to this world or to my fellow Christians that they might be encouraged and helped by how I live. Next, what is your relationship to the Word of God? Do you read it daily? Pastor, man, there's a lot of time, a lot of busyness, and some stuff goes on. Let me encourage you, go back to slide one, Download the Bible app and just play the Word of God out loud as you're driving in your car, your 30, 40 minute drive. Play it when you're in the shower. Play it before you go to bed. Just get it into you somehow. You have time. At the same time, same 24 hours as the person next to you. That person that you looked up to, that modeled a godly life, you had the same amount of time they did. 
Keep the main thing the main thing. Make it primary. Make it first. Make it a great importance in your life. You read it, are you memorizing it? We're trying to encourage you to memorize scripture. We put in the verse in here every week. It's not just, we're not just trying to do dumb things. And why do we pray for those congressmen? Well, because we're commanded to. That's why sometimes I, you know, you know, it's when people pray, it's almost, we often have to say almost like an apologetically, like, and we pray for our, our elected officials because like, if I just outright prayed for this congressman or this president, people think I'm a Democrat, Republican, or I'm this or that. Going, no, we're just commanded to pray for our leaders. And we're also commanded to pray out loud. We're also commanded to read publicly. Commit yourself to the reading of Scripture. Give attention to that in your normal church services. So we do these things. We're also commanded to memorize the Word of God. Hide God's word in your heart. It will help you. It's not going to guarantee that if you memorize John 3, 16, you'll never sin again. It will help you in the fight against sin. It's an extra arrow in your quiver. Memorize the word. Delight in the word. Even Leviticus. Get in there. Plow through. Because you're going to see even that book and the grandeur of God's holiness and you're waiting finally for the day of atonement when it finally happens. And man can now enter the presence of God again. There's so much. There's so much. So would you ask God to give you a desire for the word as like the deer that pants for the water? Lord, help me to love it like a deer loves a brook. Lastly, how thankful are you that God in his kindness has given us his word? How thankful are you that God in his kindness has given us his word? If you want to take it a step further, not only his word, his word in our own language, over 2,000 languages have yet to have one word, one word translated. People have never heard in their native tongue. Jesus loves you. And if you've got 15 Bibles at home, and we struggle to open one, thankful are you for the word of God. Ancient words, martyrs' blood stains this page. They have died for this faith. May we hear the cry of silly ears. Keep these words and you hold them dear. Read of Tyndale. Read of Zwingli. Read of men that try to put forth the word of God. Just try to get the word into the people's language, like Luther trying to translate it. It's forbidden. I'll die for this if my fellow man can but hear and read the words of God in their own language. If it means my life, it means my life. Praise God for the word. Praise God for men and women that have given their life to translating this so other people can read it as well. Christians, be thankful for the word of God. All scripture 
was given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly equipped unto all good works. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. We know the Bible is not salvation, but it does tell us where salvation is found, and it is found in nowhere else than Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's someone here that maybe they've confessed Jesus, they say they're a Christian, but maybe they've never truly put their faith in you, may today be the day of salvation for them. May we as Christians, Lord, model our lives after faith and examples and not after the things and the people of this world. May we live lives that people can model their lives after. Lord, may we continue in what we've seen and what we've learned and what we've believed. And may we abide. May we stay and continue to grow in our knowledge of the Word of God. Help us not just to know it, but to apply it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take 30 seconds. Let's quiet our hearts. Let's ask, what would you have us do? Lord, what would you have me do? A few seconds here. We'll sing, Be Thou My Vision. But let's take this time. Friend, again, if you're here and you don't know the Savior, you can come to know Him today. Whoever calls the name of the Lord will be saved. If you're a Christian, what do you need to change? Maybe it's just your daily reading. Maybe it's the way you're living. What would Jesus have you do? Let's take 30 seconds, and then we'll sing, Be Thou My Vision.